Welcome to Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm a junior. And we've got a sobering chapter as we are going to be looking at the crucifixion of Jesus today. And I don't think there's really a need for a lot of comment with this. I want you to pay close attention as we simply read through the story of Jesus being unjustly put to death. And it was unjust because the, the justice should have been on us, but Jesus absorbed the justice of God so that we could experience his forgiveness, his grace and mercy. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to we're going to read through this and what I would suggest you do uh, whether you're driving or maybe you're sitting at your desk uh, or just sitting in your living room listening really fight distraction during this mm-hmm. time. This is a, a massive massive chapter in scripture and just put yourself in the scene because the more that we can put ourselves in the scene and imagine what's happening here, the more that we are grateful for what God has done for us. Exactly. And so let's fight that distraction and really hone in on Scripture, especially with this. You want to start, Junior? Yep. This is in Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. That whip, lead tip, would have just been for bruising, bringing blood to the surface of the skin. And later on, a different whip would be used to then extract that blood from the surface. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Hmm. And Pilate said, look, here's the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him. And by the way, the reason he was more frightened is because Caesar was the only one who was supposed to refer, be referred to by that term. Yeah. And uh, so then he's starting to wonder about the political ramifications of this. Yeah. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus said, you have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the, great, has the greater sin. And Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Once again, trying to appeal to the political turmoil that Pilate was up against. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Look, here's your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to be crucified. So they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called the Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. 
When the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, no, what I have written, I have written. You know, I have to wonder, did Pilate really, did he see Jesus that way? He was, he was the best Jew that he had ever met. And so he wanted to be king of the Jews. Yeah. You want to take a verse 23? You bet. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom, so they couldn't tear it into two pieces. And that's what made it valuable, that it had no seams. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among them and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So you've got three Marys right there. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son, speaking of John. And he said this to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. You think about the the horrible torture that he was in. And what he was doing was so profoundly spiritual, taking our sins on himself. And yet he was even thinking in a practical sense, now someone needs to look after my mom. And he gave the responsibility to John. Verse 28, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there and they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down because with their legs broken, they would no longer be able to push themselves up to breathe, and they would die more quickly so they could get the bodies down before sundown, as that was the thinking. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus, which would have been awful. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say, not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they pierced. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. It's quite the ominous feel as we close that chapter. 
But the cool thing is tomorrow we're going to see that ominous feel radically turned around. Yes, absolutely. Let's get over to Psalm. Yep, Psalm 82 is the corresponding psalm for today, and I don't want to call it a chapter. We'll just call it <laughs> Psalm number yeah, let's, let's 82. Not psalm number 82. <laughs> <laughs> and verse 1, uh, maybe verse 1 and 2 would be the highlighted verses for mm-hmm. uh, today, and that says, God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust you know, it's interesting decisions? That you have heavenly beings here, because I've got the older edition of the New Living Translation uh, for Psalms, and it says he pronounces judgment on the judges. So I don't, I'd almost like to go back and look at that Hebrew word there. Yeah, interesting. Um, so because okay. for the, in this old, which I honestly I tend to like the older NLT better than the the, the second edition. Yeah. For whatever reason. Maybe just uh, but sometimes, because you're a little older. You, maybe because you know, I'm a little older. So you just older. like to stick with the older. <laughs> yeah, I don't like these newfangled version, versions. Only the... Uh, no, I like what you're saying because um, the context of heavenly beings doesn't make as much sense as it is judges. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the, the idea here is that those of you that are in a position of authority... In fact, if you want to... Why don't you go ahead and read the next yeah, verse? Yeah, it says, How long will we hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? So you don't see that with the heavenly beings. No. Yeah. In fact, even the older version here says, how long will you judges hand down unjust decisions? So, yeah. but I think that the concept is this, and this, this is why I really like these couple of verses, because he's reminding anybody who's in a leadership position, whether you're a boss at work or your parents to your kids or whatever position that you might be in, that you're going to be held responsible for the people under your care. God has given them to you, not to lift up yourself and to get your way and to get what you want. He's given them to you for you to care for under his authority. And you're going to be responsible to him. You're going to stand before God for the kind of boss that you are. That you're not a boss so that you can make more money and so that you can have the corner office. God put you in that position to be a blessing to other people. That's where yeah. Jesus came up with that term, servant leadership. Right. And Someday you're going to stand before him. And there's no excuses. No, there's not. I, I talk with guys, you know, I know it's politically incorrect, but I believe that men should be the leader of the home. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly Absolutely. believe that. And so I'll talk with guys about that. And sometimes I'll hear like, yeah, but my wife's just really hard to lead. She's really hard to lead. Or, or she's a better leader than I am. Yeah, she's I a better that. leader than I. And I always think back to Genesis when... Adam stood before God. What did Adam do? He deflected. Oh, it's the woman you gave me. It's the yep. woman you gave me. We're still doing that today. Mm-hmm. There's no excuses. And it didn't yet, hold up to God then. It won't hold up to God later. When when that sin took place, who was the first to sin? It was Eve. Which I'm not. I'm not saying that's not that's not anti women to make that statement. It's just that's what it was. But when God came and visited the two of them, yeah. who did He hold responsible? Yeah, He held Adam. He, he held for Adam. Adam responsible. That's right. Anyway, but. At, any leader, which I think the point you're making there is, listen, guys, whether you're leading your home or not, you're well, going to stand before God and give a report. Yeah, You're going to give an account for the kind of leader you were. And if you're not leading, that's not, no. that, that's not going still to still be. going to give an account for it. You're, yes, you are. Yep. All right. Well. That does yeah, affect need, our day today. It does, yeah. So let's let let us lead in every situation, every responsibility we have. Let's do so with the idea that this is something that God's yeah. entrusted me with. And I'm gonna bless others and they're gonna flourish. Those under my care are gonna flourish because I'm in leadership. Mm-hmm. We'll make it a good day today, and we'll see you tomorrow. God bless.